You're listening to the weekly podcast of Cayo, the youth ministry of the Father's House in Owensboro, Kentucky. Cayo is a healthy home for teens who are loved like family as sons and daughters that embrace their kingdom identity and purpose to change the world. At Cayo, you're home. Somebody next to you and say wiffle ball. Say wiffle five times fast. Does that feel kind of awkward? All right, so, uh, hey, can we give it up for our worship team and give it up for Ashton, Ben, Nathan, Noah, Zoe. Speaking of Zoe, Zoe, many, 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 many weeks ago, you did like a challenge, and I promised you a prize, and I'm going to give you this Kayo hoodie as your prize. Can we give it up for Zoe? So I'm going to give some of you guys an opportunity to win something else. It might be this week. It might be next week. Uh, I got a lot of gift cards to give away, uh, and you'll get an opportunity. So pay attention. Everybody say wiffle ball. All right, next week is slip and slide kickball. Next next week, you're going to need to bring a change of clothes. We will also have free pizza afterward, and we're going to pray that nobody gets hurt, dies, or is terribly injured. Okay? Everybody with me? No, you guys want people to get injured? Jeez. All right. Well, hey, if you're brand new tonight, my name's Daryl Allen. I'm uh, Pastor Daryl. I want to welcome you here at Cayo. Glad that you're here. You get a free soda on us. We're going to McDonald's after Wiffle Ball right down the road. We got a whole strategy on how to get us there. Who's excited for some McCafe or some French fries or some nuggies? Anybody want some nuggies out there? No nuggies. Who hates nuggets out there? I'm sorry. Who likes cheeseburgers? You like McDonald's cheeseburgers? All right. So, hey, let's pray. Hey, let's pray, and we're going to dive in. I was like, everybody's like, Either, hey, by the time Wiffle Ball's over, you guys are going to be talking so much trash. You got to rein in your egos, folks. All right? It's not going to get too killer out there. All right, let's pray. We're going to jump into the Word. Okay? Devote this next time to the Lord. Put away your phones. Uh, I always recommend people bring, like, an actual physical Bible and a journal. It's kind of old school. But uh, if I, just a quick note, I always go back to my physical journals more than I do the notes, notes app in my phone. I have notes. I have notes in my phone that have cool key things that the Lord's revealed to me. But I got to tell you, I don't really look back on it that much, but it's great to have in emergency situations. That makes sense? So let's bow our heads, close our eyes, let's dive right in. As summer at Cayo continues, Father, bless this word. Pray, Lord, that everyone hears it, understands it, that it applies to their life. Lord, I pray that uh, make the vision plain, that he who hears it can run with it. I pray, Lord, that whatever distractions we came in with, that we can lay them aside for about the next 15, 20 minutes. Lord, anything that our mind is on, even after Kayo, that we would just lay that aside and devote this next time to you. Some people during worship didn't give you their time, didn't give you their attention, didn't give you their focus. You know what? That's between them and you. However, God, I pray, Lord, that they're open as we're moving forward. Because, Lord, I believe we're on the cusp of some supernatural change in this house, in this ministry, in our city, and in our schools. And, Lord, I pray that, Lord, that you're blessing everything done here. In Jesus' name, bless the word. Everybody said? Amen. Well, in sixth grade, 
I had a guy who I was friends with named Matt, and Matt and I were very competitive, super competitive. Now, in middle school, and sometimes when you're older, you think whoever is the strongest, the best, the fastest, whoever can establish dominance the quickest is, the, is like, I don't know, you might win the heart of a fair maiden in sixth grade, seventh grade, or eighth grade in middle school. Yo, if I outrace or if I outlift Matt or whoever it may be, you think somehow you're going to get some prize at the end of it. By the way, that's biblical. David and Goliath, look it up. He got three key prizes. Uh, he got a wife. He got, didn't have to pay taxes, and he got tons of money. So sometimes when you win stuff, you get things. But Matt and I were very competitive. And I remember one time after, it would always be after lunch, we would go outside of Burns Middle School and we would like have this, a lot of us would play a giant game of tag in the front lawn. I don't think they allow that anymore. It's been a while. But me and Matt decided to have a race. We ran track. Any track people in here? No trackers in here. No track people? Tracksuit Mafia. You even got any tracksuit Mafia? Somebody, I see one over here. So here's the thing. He and I, we decided to race. And I'm like the equivalent of back in my day. We'll say bet for you. We'll say bet. You're on. Let's go. Run it. Okay, so we line up, and we line up, and somebody goes, three, two, one, go. I take off, and I'm like, I'm halfway down 75% to the finish line. All I know is I'm running as fast as I can, and I'm just, he's nowhere to be found. But all I see is this. He said he, he, said he hurt his leg or he pulled something. And here's the thing. Sometimes you don't think straight in the middle of being competitive with someone. You're not really thinking clear. But he challenges me immediately to a rematch. And I'm like, bro, you're hurt. You can't run. You can't race. What are you talking about? I should have just said that. But, of course, I didn't because I'm like, but I had already expended all that energy. I had already burned up all kinds of energy. We race again, and he barely beats me. Look to your neighbor and say, that sucks. I had him beat, but because I had such a jump out of the gate, he had to fake an injury. He had to make an excuse for why he got beat, why I beat him. And then when I went to him after the race, I said, I thought your leg was hurt. And he just grins at me with a real big smile because he knows what he did. But at the end of the day, who won that race? Technically, if you were to go by the record books, he did. But really, I did. He didn't blow me out in that rematch immediately after. However, at the end of the day, I can't say I won because I can give you the reason why I should have won. I can give you the reason why I didn't win, but that would be an excuse. His excuse was he hurt his leg because I got to jump out of the gate and had him beat. But at the end of the day, both of us had an excuse on different sides of the victory, different sides of the race. And the thing is, we live in a world that loves excuses. A friend of mine used to always say, no excuses, only explanations, which is actually really smart, depending on what you're saying and who you're talking to. So it's just one of those things where it's like, excuses are one thing, then there's explanations. But the thing is, Jesus doesn't like excuses either. I'm going to be honest. I hate excuses. You can give me all the explanations you want, but it's sometimes at the end of the day, there's a black and white answer. Sometimes there's a gray answer, but sometimes there's a black and white one. But Jesus isn't a fan of excuses either. 
Who's a fan of excuses in here? Anybody? We love excuses when it's in our favor, but we don't like it when it's against us. Like when Matt used his excuse against me, I didn't like that. But I like it when an excuse works in my favor, right? Why didn't you clean the room? Well, you know, hey, what are you doing on your phone? Well, you know, you got all these things, all these excuses. At the end of the day, we must learn to be people who tell ourselves the truth and not make excuses for our actions. Pastor Darrell, that's, I don't, it's kind of circumstantial. I understand, but I just want to talk today about excuses. Because I believe the Bible says that the truth sets us free. And sometimes we got to be real enough and just tell ourselves the truth. If you can become a person who can tell yourself the truth, you're going to go far in life. Because you're not going to be a victim, but you're going to be a victor. We have enough victims in the world. We have enough victims. Uh, we have enough victims. We don't need any more of those. Some people are legitimate victims, and some people think they're victims so long that really they've convinced themselves they can't do anything when really they can. See, the scripture says in John chapter 5, verse 2, it says Jesus is going into Jerusalem. And it says near the Sheik Gate, there is a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos or colonnades. In these porticos lay a great number of people who were sick, blind, lame, withered, waiting for the stirring of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down into the pool at appointed times and seasons and stirred up the water. The first one to go in after the water was stirred was healed of his disease or affliction. You guys with me so far? There was a certain man there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus noticed him lying there helpless, knowing he had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? The invalid answered, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm coming to get into it myself, someone else steps down ahead of me. I don't know if you hear that, but there's an excuse there. That's real. That's kind of mean. We're going to get there. Fun facts about this passage Jesus is near the sheep gate. What's the sheep gate? It's kind of a weird, I don't call my front gate the sheep gate. It's the front gate or it's the side gate. The sheep gate is where they brought in the, the sheep to be sacrificed for temple worship. Guess who is the lamb who was slain on the cross to be the lamb of God and literally died for all the sins of the world? He just walked through there too. What's his name? Let's say a little louder for the kids in the back. Jesus. There we go. I heard a deep voice back there. Thanks, Nathan. <laughs> Good job. Jesus Christ, he was the sacrificial lamb. Bethesda, house of mercy, house of grace, house of loving kindness. This is really for anybody that wants to grab hold of this, but it's really for my high school students, okay? And all archaeologists can confirm a pool was in this location. House of grace, house of mercy, house of loving kindness, loving kindness, mercy, and grace walked into this area. His name? Jesus, right? Five porticos. The number five is the number for grace. What's grace? Forgiveness. Unmerited favor. It means God forgives us of all of our sins because of what Jesus did on the cross. Five porticos. Five, the number of grace. Every word in the Bible is not there for nothing. Everything matters. Are you with me? 
Now, verse 4, I'm just going to give you a little feedback. Some churches omit, the, uh, some translations of the Bible admit that verse. Uh, long story short, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you couldn't walk, and it wasn't true that the water stirred, and it wasn't true that some people were healed, would you have spent 38 years there for nothing? No. Some manuscripts say, some manuscripts don't include that verse because uh, they, they say it, it, they're not sure it exists or maybe it conflicts with something, but other ones say it is. So you'll read some Bible translations. I was reading a Bible translation online today, the very translation in this book, and they omitted that verse, but it's in my physical Bible. Interesting. Fun facts. Right? Now, the man was ill for 38 years. Why would the number 38 matter? Because the Israelites were in the wilderness. They died after 38 years, but they were in there a total of 40. But they died after 38 years. They were lost. This invalid, this paralyzed man, this guy, he was uh, freaking lost in the wilderness for 38 years. Not being able to walk. But Jesus doesn't ask a question. He doesn't ask for a story. He does, all he says is, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? What was the man's response? It was an excuse. Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water stirred up, and while I'm coming, someone else steps ahead of me. No offense. In some ways, he's got an explanation. He's got an explanation. But it's an excuse. And Jesus gets to the nitty-gritty. If you came to the pursuit, this is essentially part two of whatever I just did. You just don't know it. We watched a video on this. And I gave you prompts and questions. I have not forgotten those questions. And I have not forgotten to ask you what you wrote down. And if you weren't here, doesn't make any sense to you, it's okay. But Jesus says, do you want to be well? But the man gives him an excuse. No yes, no no. He just gives him an excuse. How many times do we give Jesus an excuse? I can't sing in front of people. I can't tell my story. To people, I can't pray out loud. I can't talk about Jesus at school or at practice. I can't do that. I can't lay hands on the sick and pray for them and then be healed. How do you know? Maybe that's just an excuse. Well, I'm mad and angry. I'm mad at God. I'm mad at Jesus. You don't know what's happened to me, Pastor Darrell. I don't. Some of you I do. Some of you I don't. But at the end of the day, Jesus, and by the way, if you have been hurt, that breaks the heart of God. However, you have to decide, is this going to define me the rest of my life where I'm a victim or am I going to let this define me to do something for good, to benefit humanity and benefit my fellow man, my neighbors, my friends, everybody? I mean, I think of Ashton's story. I know her story. And a lot of y'all don't know it. I'm not going to tell it. But the thing is, I think of Ashton's story, and she could easily use it as an excuse to literally live for the world or the world system as Ben talked about and not God. The fact that Ashton's here serving the Lord. I remember, Ashton, I was thinking today how I was praying. I don't know how many years ago before you came to help here. I remember I was praying uh, to the Lord, and the Lord highlighted you in the back corner of the church for me to recruit you for Kayo. I remember that day. And I'm so glad that you're here and you're such a gift to this ministry and to these girls and even the guys. And some of them you can dominate in sports, but that's neither here nor there. But I just think, thank you that you're here. 
was just thinking about that when I was walking up today. I just feel like highlighting you, highlighting you again right now. So I say to you, what's your excuse? Why not? Why not speak up? Like Sadie got up here last Wednesday and shared something. There's a reason why I asked Sadie. She's not afraid that you know of. I guarantee it scared her to get up here. But God's asking you to do something. He's calling you out. I'm not, you're going to hear me keep saying this. God is calling you out onto the water. And you're staying in the boat when it's time to get on the water and start walking. You can't have an excuse anymore. I say to you, why not? It's time to eliminate the excuses. See, Mark 9, 23 says, Jesus says to a man, he says, he goes, if you can, heal me. He says, if you can. He says, all things are possible for the one who believes and trusts in me. Jesus says, all things are possible to those who believe. Not some things, not no things, all things. Jesus does not want your excuse. He wants faith. He wants you to be proactive. He says, follow me. Will you follow him? Do you follow him? The Lord, I was talking to somebody this last week, and the Lord put on my heart to ask them a question, and I hesitated the first time, and then the Lord told me a second time, and I couldn't shake it. And I said, it was a question that says, ask this person, ask this person why they will not give their life to me. Are you willing to give your life to Jesus? Are you willing to give him your yes? Are you willing to surrender to him? Or are you going to make excuses? I'm not in the right mindset. I enjoy sin too much. It just sounds like a big life decision and I'm scared. Whatever Jesus asks of us is always better than what we give up for him. Let me say that again. What Jesus asks us to give up, he always has something better to give us in return. No more excuses. Can I tell you why the reason why camp is so amazing? You know why camp is so powerful? Who's ever been to a camp? Youth camp? Hands high. It's okay. Don't be ashamed. It's most of you. You know why camp is so powerful? In all my years, of, I've almost, I've been doing youth ministry. My wife and I have given our half, nearly half of our lives to the next generation, whether it be in a church or even at a school. In all the years we've been to camp, everybody tells me how they can hear the God spoke to them or something powerfully happened to them at camp. You know why? Think about it. You pray every day. You worship every day. You hang out with other Christians. The Bible calls that fellowship. Fellowship. You hang out with other people every day. Your cell phone isn't there to distract you every day. You know why God moves at camp? It's because you're doing everything you're supposed to do every day at camp. He wants you to do that every day of your life. But we give him excuses. I don't have enough time. I'm tired. I got things to do. You know what? Jesus understands those things. But there comes a point where there's no excuse for any of us. And this isn't some beat down message. This is just a reality check. Jesus is literally talking to some of you. The Lord put this on my heart that we would eliminate all excuses. 
this is how you're supposed to live every day. It's time to eliminate the excuses. Number two, do what Jesus says and follow through. Do what Jesus says and follow through. I was watching a baseball game yesterday. That's old man grunt, by the way, when you lean over. Old man grunt. So, but when he, I was watching a baseball game, and I was watching these guys bat, I'm going to tell you right now, it made me want to coach again. I'm going to tell you. Come here. Come here, Jay. Just got to hold that bat. Now, do you play baseball? Are you left-handed? God bless you. All right, line up. Line up. Line up. Now, hey, pretend, pretend the pitcher is, I think that's Matthew back there. Pretend he's a pitcher. So, line up this way. All right, y'all see him? Okay, first of all, his stance is looking kind of terrible. I'm going to help him out. No, 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 it's not nothing you're bad. Line up your feet. First of all, you know what you do? Let's just talk some baseball real quick. When you got that open stance, you're still bringing the foot here, and you're losing a second. When that ball's coming to you, you're already losing a second with that open stance. Tighten that thing up. Bring it in. Where's Khalil at? He's watching. Here, tighten it up. Bring it face forward. There you go. Elbow up. Bat off your, bat off your shoulder. Hold it tight. I want you to swing. Okay, I want you to swing, swing again, slow motion, slow motion, all right, do it again, okay, you let go of the bat, pretend you got both hands on that bat, hey, Jay's doing a great job, hold on, slow, very good, very good, give it now, take a lap and hit, go back to your seat, give my head clap, thank you, Jay. Your stance wasn't bad, but like if you're on my team, I'd say get rid of that open stance. You're losing time, bringing that foot in, getting ready to swing. That's say anybody plays baseball. Khalil, you feel that? You with me? You got an open stance, don't you? Anyway, so the thing is about swinging the bat, you got to have follow through. And the thing is, I noticed kids don't follow through. As soon as they hit the bat, they drop it. But if you follow through with the ball, you can direct it. If you watch, if you plant your feet a certain way in your body. You can hit it and knock it opposite field. When you have follow-through, baseball or in life, you get, you get to control where the ball's going. You have more power, and you give it direction. Is it making sense? Everybody say, I need follow-through. Do what Jesus says and follow through. Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately, he was healed and recovered his strength, picked it up, and he walked. What is Jesus telling you to pick up and run with? What is Jesus telling you? What is something he's already told you to do? And you haven't done it yet. I'm almost done, guys. I ain't even telling you that. Because one, when pastors say that, they're usually not done. Two, I just don't want to do that. He says, pick up your mat, pick up your pallet, and walk. He doesn't say, be healed in the name of the Lord. He doesn't do any of that. He tells him to do something. He literally says, stop your excuses, pick up your mat, and walk. No excuses. No worrying about when the water's stirred. No worrying about somebody stepping in front of you and taking your blessing. By the way, some of you guys are jealous when people get your blessing. Your time is coming. Don't be so upset. Celebrate them. Your time is coming. But no more excuses. Get up and walk. What has Jesus already asked you to do that you're not willing to do? Some of you guys is to give your life and your whole heart to Jesus. 
You've been putting it off, or you did it once, and then you got, you got lost. You started dating the wrong guy or dating the wrong girl. You got lost in work. You got lost in your job. You got lost in activity. You got lost in numbness. Some of you guys are, like, struggling with numbness and depression. You got so lost in that numbness that it feels like home. It's not home. Jesus is home. Some of you guys just need to give Jesus your yes. No more excuses. Some of you guys have given Jesus your yes. It's time to get water baptized. It's time to go public with your faith and stop hiding it. Some of y'all are too afraid about what people think at school. Well, you're in summer. Great time to get trained up for the fall when God's getting ready to release you into school and to literally be a difference with the people around you in the kingdom, in the city. Pastor Carol, that's so big. I'm not saying you got to win your whole school. Win one person. Start reading your Bible. Do a Bible study with friends. I'm encouraged. I hear some people are doing a Bible study with friends. Praise God. I almost did one this summer. I was about to do one this summer with coffee involved. Long story. Tell your friends about Jesus. Some of y'all need to journal. Some of y'all need to draw. You got a gift for drawing. I remember there was a girl named Jendaya who used to come here, and she used to draw pictures of my sermons, pictures of my messages. Now, Pastor Darrell, you see me doodling, you think I'm doing something weird out there. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. But if you got a gift to draw, use it. Some of y'all just need to start praying. You need to get on your knees and just pray and seek God. Some of you guys need to come to us, come to your pastors, come to me. Come to my wife, Tricia. Come talk to us. Come to our leaders. That's why, they're le- that's why they're here. We want to help you. We want to resource you and help you move forward. No more excuses. No more, no more blaming everybody else or blaming your backstory, blaming this, blaming that. It's time to get off your rear and start moving forward. You just said rear. I did. But Jesus exposes the man's real problem. I'm going to wrap up here. Jesus exposes his real problem in verse 14. Eliminate the excuses. Do what Jesus says and follow through like the baseball bat. But Jesus exposes the real problem, and it's the man's sin. He says, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Did you catch that? Most theologians, most pastors are going to gloss over this scripture because it says, Jesus says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. That doesn't sound very loving. That doesn't sound very nice. But this man never gave his life to God. He just got healed. Some of you guys have experienced a miracle and a blessing. God has come through for you and you've never given your life to Jesus. Just because he's come through for you does not mean you're saved. Am I getting amped up, Tricia? I'm checking. Huh? I mean, I am a little amped up, but I'm just making sure I'm not crazy amped up because I can get there. The real problem was his sin. He said, stop sinning or something worse is going to happen to you. Really? Could it be? Could it be that his affliction, the problem, the reason why he couldn't walk, could it be because there was sin in his life? Just because something bad's happened to you does not mean sin's in your life, but sometimes it is because sin and disobedience is in your life. That's real talk, and most people don't want to talk about that because Jesus loves us, and he does. And Jesus loves us so much that he forgives us despite our sin and despite 
our excuses. That's point number four. Jesus gives grace and heals despite our sin and despite our excuses. Jesus saves despite the excuses we give him. And he does the miraculous and the supernatural. Why does God do the supernatural? I've given words of knowledge in this room. There are things that the Holy Spirit has told me about some of you in the room, and it's not to point you out, but it's to say God sees you, he loves you, and he's calling you into a deep relationship with him. He's saying, I love you, and I see you. Will you invite me? I want to help you. Snickers bars. So what, Pastor Darrell? Luke 15, 10 says this. I'm going to wrap up here. That's the way God responds every time one lost sinner repents and turns to him. It says, the joy, the, says, he says to his angels, let's have a joyous celebration for the one who is lost, I have found. If one person gets saved, gives their life to Jesus, repents of their sins, and places their faith, it says all of the angels in heaven rejoice for just one. I'm going to tell you, tonight I was back there, I said, if just one of you, if just one would give their life to Jesus, no more excuses, and actually follow through, it's all worth it. And some of y'all, you think you know everything. You really don't. God's already told you what to do. You need to follow through and stop the excuses. Eliminate the excuses. Do what Jesus says. Follow through. And then if there's sin in your life and he exposes it, there's some things that when people are talking, the Holy Spirit, will. we know when we're doing things. He exposes it. He doesn't do that to shame you. He does that because he's saying there's a better way. Let that go. What do you need to let go of tonight? What do you need to let go of? If you bow your heads, close your eyes. What do you need to let go of? With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in the room right now, and this message speaks to you, I just want to tell you, Jesus does love you. He does want to give you a miracle. He does want to give you a blessing. He does want to give that to you. And some of you, it may, it, it may not necessarily be sin he's exposing. What's sin? It's what do we do that separates us from God. It's disobedience. Usually it's bad stuff and we know it. And I don't mean eating Pop-Tarts when we're not supposed to. Somebody likes Pop-Tarts. So if you're in here today, you say, Pastor Darrell, I've been making a lot of excuses. And I feel like Jesus is calling me out today to stop giving excuses. If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hand right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I've been giving excuses, and I don't want to give excuses anymore. 